0: So we're going to be learning two maimarim today. We're going to be learn the first maimarim, is HaMalef, and the second maimarim is going to be of Esther. So the first maimarim, Yeshit Hamalach, Esther is Hazav, the Tachum Esther V'Tamud V'Nei Hamalach. This is a, this is a, this is what's happening when the, when Esther is coming to Achshavirish after her three-day fast. She's requesting that Achshavirish and Haman uh, join her for a meal, and the king is going to extend his scepter towards her, and she grips the top of it with her hand. And so the altar is going to point out that the next time that a scepter is mentioned and the next time that Aphaserish extends the scepter to Esther, she doesn't hold on to the top. As well, the second time that it comes up, it almost sounds like Aphaserish gives her the scepter. And so the altar was is asking about both of these incongruencies. What is the difference between the two phases of the scepter in the Purim story? As well, the altar is wondering, what is the practical application for us? How do we live this, this reality of the scepter? Now, the, to begin, we know that H- Esther is a is a reference to hiding, and this refers to both the time of Gullus, the time when the Shechina is hidden, and the the Jew in Gullus. That a Jew in Gullus has the has this the Godly spark in his of of his neshama, and yet because the Jew in Gullus spends his time entrenched in physical things, it prevents us from loving God in the way that we want to, and so our love of God remains hidden. And the uh, the process of bringing out that love is something that is different for every single Jew, whereas in the times of Mashiach, when the Abishur is revealed, everything we're going to leave that Esther state and we're going to enter a state in which we all experience godliness at the in an equal way. Now, the next step in understanding the relevance of this is to understand. Purim itself. So we know that the, the Yamtif of Purim, it says in the Gemara, that the Yamtif of Purim is going to be the only Yamtif that survives Mashiach. Every other Yamtiv is going to stop. And the Altarab also mentions another Gemara that seems to contradict this one, that says that Halachas will not disappear when Mashiach comes. And the Mithraab interprets this saying that the that the Yamtif is the time to connect to God. And that, and that the Altarab is asking that how could it be that Yamtif? which is such an important part of our lives, would disappear, whereas the mundane, seemingly insignificant halachas will, uh, will live on. Now, <clears throat> before we understand that, we have to understand what the function of Yom Tif is at all. So al says that during the time of Yom Tif, we, the, the whole Jewish people are raised up when God reveals himself in this Yom Tif sense, all Jews experience it. All Jews respond to it. And what this does is it gives us an extra boost to fight Sitra Akra, to push back on Sitra Akra. And the the uh, the with quint- the quintessential um, the quintessential uh, reference of this is a pasuk that says, "It says that who is this who rises up from the desert with a pillar of smoke." A perfumed cloud of myrrh, of frankincense for all the powders of the peddler. And the Alter Rebbe is going to describe how this pasuk is a guide towards how to experience Yom properly. So he says, first of all, we're all stuck in the desert, which means we're all stuck in our physical, physical mundane realities. And the step one is that we experience Yom and we rise up out of the desert. And the first experience we have is Timurus Ashan, is this pillar of smoke. And smoke, as any Boy Scout can tell you, is what happens when you burn wet wood, when you experience the contrast of fire and water, and the, 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 what it produces is smoke. So when the fire of Yamtheth touches the water, so to speak, or the opposite of it, of, of it, which is our material experiences, what it produces is smoke. When we have that extra boost of yamtip, we produce this response of actually pushing away the uh, the materialism that we find ourselves so entrenched within. Now, the next level is a little bit more ethel, and that is the, the perfumed cloud. Salzrabi says that there's a difference between the between uh, 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 between smoke. And this perfume, that the that the perfume is a more edel version of this. It's a more refined version of this. It's a tackling of the more refined components of our materialism, which are nonetheless a, a, a contradiction to our service of God. Next is myrrh, which the Hebrew word is mar, and that is a of course a reference to mariness, to bitterness. That when we use our intelligence to uh, to, to meditate upon the way in which we've separated ourselves from God this creates an intense bitterness and the bitterness is then followed with joy which is, Levina, is the next part of the pasuk is the frankincense uh, that is the the joy that we experience and the altar Abba uses links it back to the Megillus Esther that the the women would sit in this spice experience before they met Achishverosh for six months and the Altarabba says that just like the spice experience was the women being uh, isolated within this almost intangible um, experience of smells that automatically lifted up their spirits and made them more more ready to greet the king. So, too, the Jew, when he experiences joy, that lifts up every part of our experience. And it's not just joy. It's every facet of joy. As the passage eh, and we call Abkhaz Rechel all the powders of the of the peddler, all the different versions of passion, all the different versions of excitement that we experience when we experience Yamta. Now, the entire paradigm of Yamta and Shabbos, of us being raised up in this divine experience and having the ability in that sense to push away in our own materialism can be encapsulated in the verse that Esther's offered the scepter and that she grips the head of it, that she is getting the opportunity to experience the kingship of of God and but it's significant that she only holds the tip of it because were she were she to experience the whole thing were she, were she to experience all of God's kingship she would lose her own uh, independence she would lose her own identity and the 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 glimmer that we experience of God's kingship when we have this experience. Is enough to, in, to to induce within us tremendous, tremendous love of God. We think about both the fact that He fills creation and that He transcends creation, and we get a sense of the fa- of, of how He how mu- how much He invested in creation, and this brings a tremendous, tremendous response of love and passion for God, and a, the ability to push down uh, our own relationship with the materialism to reject our own relationship with the material with materialism, but again. Now it, it's it's very significant that what we're not experiencing is God as He is Himself, because God as He is Himself doesn't fall within the boundaries of, of filling the world or even transcending the world. God is any violationisi. violation, you see, and in that in that persp- from that perspective, the, the God is completely alone, and neither Yom Tif nor Shabbos provide us with a true appreciation of that perspective of God. The only thing that will allow us to experience that is. Mashiach, because when Mashiach comes, the deer is going to be Bitachtainim Dafka. It's going to be the, the 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 experience is going to be down here. And what it's what we, when we experience Mashiach, what we're experiencing is the reality in which everything is one with God. Not that the spiritual worlds overwhelm the physical world, but that the spiritual worlds and the physical world are shown to be one, and that the and that the physical world just as much manifests and in a sense even more manifests. The a revelation of God, and the altar gives us two uh, points of reference to understand this. The first one is the uh, conversation between Malachim and Sadiqim. The Malachim say, where is the the, the place of God? And the Sadiqim respond, The right that the the, the, the that the Malachim wonder. Where is God? Where is the highest place of his revelation? And the can respond that actually mm-hmm. on earth is the highest point of his revelation. And another, and, and the, the, the second reference is that of Eshiz Chayel Atar During Golas, right, during well, when we're stuck in this version of creation, the Baal, the, the revelation seems like it's the, uh, seems like it's the primary force. But when Mashiach comes, we're going to understand that the Ashish Ischayel is actually a terrorist bailah, that the woman, the, the Makabal, is actually the crown upon her husband, that the woman is actually going to be the, the highest manifestation of the husband's abilities, of the Avisher's abilities. And that's going to happen when Mashiach comes. The, uh, of all the Yamim Teifim, whereas the other Yamim Teifim, like, for, for instance, Pesach, that was all about destroying Pare. The Yamtif of Purim is paradigmatic of the of the the of the world working towards a revelation of God. Because in the Purim story, the uh, uh is not only the one who signs the decree against the Jews, but that same voice is the one that signs the decree to save the Jews. That the that the the, the story of Purim is all about the tahtainim serving as a as a revelation of god and so the altar has now brought us full circle that the purim is going to survive the coming of mashiach because purim is in a sense the essence of mashiach purim is the story of ishapha not that of Iskafia. now we can understand the contradictory Maimar chazal that we mentioned before that said that the halakhas are going to last after mashiach comes the Alter Rebbe says to think of this in terms of the Pasuk that says that my beloved runs like, and when he runs, he appears to me to be like a deer. And so he says that a deer runs, the, and, and when a deer runs, it turns its head backwards. And, and we, we, one might think that since it has its head backward, it's not really investing, but since the head is the home of the entire uh, of the of the mind and the the essence of the person of the being um, so that indicates so that the, the the its seeming disattachment belies its actual investment and the altar says that the same thing can apply to 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 tyra to and particularly halakha that although halakha would appear to be the bottom of the of the hierarchy the bottom rung it's actually the place in which the Abishur invests his total chachma uh, the, uh, the, chah, the se And we can use that that ta'ira to refine the world because the in the sense that chachma is periru, that chachma is the ability to refine. And Al Trabha gives several beautiful, beautiful examples. He says that somebody who is a salesman who knows the relative value of different animals will can use that expertise when it comes to knowing how the Badiyya Sabakar works. And the butcher who knows the anatomy of the animals will be can use his knowledge to uh, to 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 navigate the laws of kosher and the laws of um, of karbonus. And so, too, it is that with all halacha, all halacha is a, is is hugely relevant in the in the physical world. And what it allows us to do is to uh, is to is to bring God into the nuances of our lives, and to bring God into the nuances of the world. And the final example al tarabi gives is that of a um, is that of a watchman that needs to understand the nuances of, uh, of 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 emotions as well, because of the halachas that once somebody is doing one mitzvah, he's patra from another mitzvah. The watchman has to understand the nuances of when he. Has to, when he is allowed to give tzedakah and when he's not allowed to give tzedakah. While he's engaged in his job, he would not be allowed to give tzedakah. And so halakha not only permeates all aspects of the physical life, but all aspects of emotional life as well. And all of that is deeply, deeply affected by uh, by by halakha. And so all of that it becomes refined when we learn halakha and when we engage in halakha and how do we do this on a personal level so the the we bring yet another pasuk that says That he stands behind the the walls and the explanation is that god is revealing himself in through through the Torah. however there's a wall in place and the the the, the, the that wall is our Sins is our entrenchment, is our engagement in Gashmias that makes it that makes us perceive His revelation as being distant, as being uh, separate, separated from from us by a wall. And the solution to that is to make windows as the siddhik continues that he peers through windows and he, he he glances through the lattice work so a a window is a hole a complete a large hole in a wall a lattice work is a small is, is a, a, a over overlay of boards that leads to a very very small holes in the wall and the altar abba uses his muscle that the uh that that we 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 need only uh, pierce the hole, a hole the size of a needle and the Abishra will expand, that when we are willing to approach Tyra and approach our lives with God in mind, God will expand that and will allow us to see our lives as more godly. And we can now f- bring it back to the story of Esther and understand how the story of Esther is deeply, deeply relevant to our own journey. Before Esther comes to the king, she, it says that she's standing in the courtyard like the Jew who's standing in the desert. The first, the first step is that we are, we, are, we are lost in a desert of materialism. And then we begin to experience a revelation of God that might happen on the average yomtif. And, and that is the beginning of the approach to the king. <clears throat> but that, that alone is not enough. That alone be, means that we remain in gullis, and we be, continue to see materialism and spirituality as in conflict with one another. The next step is that the that she defeats Haman, and this time, instead of just getting to interact with the head of the scepter, instead of just getting to interact with a glimmer of godliness in our lives, we actually get God as He is Himself. We get the Pur, the end of the Purim story, which is that the Gashmias, which is that Achashverosh, is actively engaged. In bringing a revelation of God into the world, that the Achashverosh, instead of listening to Haman, gives the exact same power of the signet ring now to Mordechai, and the the and and in that sense, it's a complete um, it's a complete it's a complete um, not not a but uh, but actually is and in the final moment after she receives the scepter, it says that Esther stands up, that she stands up to be to, uh, to 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 attain uh, a complete um, reversal of roles, that she's no longer lost in the desert as she was before. The neshama is no longer lost in the desert as it, as it was before, but instead is standing up in front of the king in a sense higher than the king, which brings us back to the that she now, uh, that the that the, that the neshama, through the process of the perm through the Purim process and through the Halacha process, the neshama uh, gets the opportunity to understand how not only can we, does, does a revelation of God in this world mean that we can control the uh, materialism, but that we can actually use materialism to reveal God. Now, the second mimer we're learning is the mimer of a of Esther. It says that, that Esther <coughs> continues to speak to the king, and she speaks before the king, and she falls upon her face, and she cries. And she she begs that the king will uh, will undo the wicked decrees of Haman and do undo the plans of Haman. So the altar of first question is, how is it possible that the Abishter to how is it possible to prostrate oneself in front of the Abishter when the Abishter himself has no body? And the, 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 the deeper question of the Mamre is going to be what in what sense can we be lost that we feel the need to prostrate ourselves before God? And what is the process of return? So, to be to, to understand this, we have to understand the nature of davening, and the ability that a Jew has to to, to engage in a conversation with God through davening. Now, when it comes to Purim time, we are called uh, from the name Esther, but <clears throat> and the other part of the, the other part of the Jewish identity is many other names and particularly the names we're discussing now are that of Rachel and that of and that and that of Tzun. so the <clears throat> when a <sighs> the Jewish community is called Esther as we discussed in the last minor and but in another sense the Jewish community can be called Rachel Now is going to contrast those two services so he says that a lamb is based on the uh pasuk that says that the lamb stands before the shearer Uh, And is silent, and then we also find that it says that the sheep uh, stand before the slaughter, and they extend their neck. So when a Jew is in both of these states, in the in in this state of subservience, the 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 Jew is responding to uh, to a divine experience. The Jew is responding to what the Abishur wants, and we are totally. Um, dedicated to doing exactly what he wants. We have a complete awareness, and we have a complete awareness of the fact that the abisher is revealed in the world, and we want nothing more than to do what he wants. And we are, like these sheep and like these like these lambs, completely um, dedicated to following through with, what, with whatever it is that the abisher wants. But when we are in an Esther state, our, uh, our, our divine um, identity is hidden. And the Alter stresses that it does not mean that it's gone, but it means that it's hidden. It's in a state of Esther. It's in a state of aneichi hashtar, aneichi hashtar Aster The that it, but but since it is hidden, it's our job to reveal it. Uh, that Esther is called a, ro- a rose among thorns. That the the wall the rose is among the thorns. The thorns are so prevalent that it becomes almost impossible to identify the rose among them, and that it is our job to remove those thorns and to reveal that. Uh, that, that essential relationship that essential connection to God and that is the Esther journey understanding the Esther journey has to do with un, with looking back at that pas <speaking in> Hester <Hebrew> and the altarib is going to focus on those words <speaking in Hebrew> on that day and he's introducing us to four different stages there's Bayemahu and so, b'yem hazeh is from the is is from the pasuk zehayim asah Hashem Nagila Nespa Chabay. Then, the, the, then we have the pasuk b'yesh Hashem b'yem hahu. The the, the, in a, in the on the laila side we have halaila hazeh leil and we have belaila hahu nadadash nasa So he says that the word zeh means that the thing that you're referring to is present. When you say something is this, you're saying that this is present. As we say, ze this is my God that I can identify. And so when the, when we relate to God in a ze form, we are relating to him in a, sen- in a sense that we feel like we can see him. We're relating to him in that we, we, he uh, is a complete part of our lives, and there's a complete state of revelation that we are experiencing now there's the which is that the which is that the person understands and perceives God to the degree that he does not perceive uh, reality as being significant the person perceives that all of our reality is simply a a front for the deeper reality that is the Abishtern. but then there's also there's there's also a Lila form of that and in that form we perceive reality as being the as being real. We perceive the darkness as being real. We are in a state of lila, and yet we are also in a state. We, we are we are still in the state of Haze hazeh morning. We still have a reality of God, and the altar Rabbi says that this has to do with focusing on the revelations of God that exist in this world. As it says, that we, although we accept the realities of this world and we are too deeply entrenched in materialism and in, the, in what we perceive to be the reality of the world to be able to uh, disassociate ourselves from it, we make the active effort of appreciating the godliness within the world. And this requires a tremendous amount of faith. It also has a practical service. Now, I was going to quote a Zahar, which says that we were in Mitzrayim for Rish Dalad above years, for 210 years, and in Mitzrayim we worked with Chimer, with Levainim, and we worked in the field. So it says, Khimer, the clay, is a reference to the Kalvachimer, learning Tyre with Kalvachimer. The Levenim is the bricks, are a reference to Levon Hilchasa, of learning practical halacha, and the field. Is a reference as desire to the brysa Now the Altar Abba says it's true that anybody that agrees to engage in tayra, that accepts the yoke of heaven upon themselves, accepts the yoke of tayra upon themselves, is freed from the yoke of uh, of the of earth, as it says in Pirkei Abbas. However, the Altar Abba says that there's even a way of somebody who finds himself trapped in the night in the lila, to turn that lila into lila hazeh through this process. So he and he uses a, a reference a uh, Gemara that says that the Abishter asks in the times of Mordechai, what is the the what what is this calling of this bleeding of a of a goat and the of kids and the Malachim answer that this is the voice of the Jewish people and the obvious question that one might ask is how can God be curious as to what a sound is how, how does God not know and the the so the, and what Alb explains is that when a kid when a goat cries out for its mother it's crying without any say it's crying without bleed us. it's only a simple cry of a child crying out to its to its parent and so when we cry out to God we are crying out in a way that is illogical. But the the but and but God's response <coughs> transforms our um, our expression from the illogical, from the sub-rational, from the sub-logical to the supra-logical. That when God responds, that He doesn't know where the call is from, He is responding from a from a, a place of lamaila and hadas, from from a place that transcends logic, and that in turn uh, informs our call towards Him. As being one of the um, of the kid calling out to its mother, of the of of a call that is that is supra logical, of a call of a of a call for God that is that transcends our that transcends logic and doesn't is not sub, uh, subliminated to logic, and so when the when the Jew learns Torah and calls out to God mm-hmm. in this truly authentic way, this uh, this leads to him responding in a way that turns our Layla into a Layla Hazat that we have the that, that that this allows us to feel God's presence in a very real way in our lives and this was the miracle of Purim this was the this was this was what happened at Purim was that the Mordecai taught the children and he taught them particularly the the Torah and the and and he taught them pra- particularly practical halakha and this uh and this influenced that the, uh, that the, 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 journey towards BeYem hazza this, this influenced a revelation that, that ended up happening practically, and al ends off that the war, ga- now, the war against Amalek is a war that happens in every generation, and in every generation, the, the, that most of our conflicts have to do with nations of the, of the, with the nations of the world and the evil that each one of them represent, but, in each one of the, in each case that our response to evil is simply to overwhelm the evil with more holiness than the opposite that the evil represents when it comes to malik, though amalek has a unique challenge it represents a unique challenge and that amalek is uh, is that that amalek is arrogance that an arrogance by its very nature is um, is almost impossible to combat because the arrogance has no source it's simply haughtiness and simply arrogance that is that is baseless and so the and and the plan that Haman had was to de- implant deeply within the uh, within the, the the essence of the universe and in the essence of the Jewish uh, identity this this arrogance um, and by that by that token, Subvert our entire connection to God, and the response is to completely overthrow uh, Haman and to to, as it says in the Megillah, to thwart that which he had planned, to hit him not only um, in the practical sense, but even in the in his at the the, in in the intellectual sense at the plan level, which is why the uh, the solution to Haman was the hanging on the tree, and the hanging on the tree. At the the height of 50 Amas, which was a reference to the the fact that Haman was um, confronting us with arrogance, and we responded by saying that God is much, much higher, that God is much, much greater.